From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Bobby Torres. He's the host of the YouTube channel, Bobby Likes It Spooky, and the co-host of the Scream Kings podcast and the People Under the Scares podcast. Welcome to the show! Woo! I'm happy to be here. Thanks, y'all. Finally! I've been waiting to get you on the show for forever. And I was like, I honestly, the movie we're going to talk about is so daunting that I was like, oh boy, gotta have time to watch it. But I'm so glad we finally got you on the show. But uh, take us back to the start. How did you get introduced to horror? Oh, my family. Uh, My family loves horror, surprisingly. Um, and it's, it's really very weird because I watched a lot of horror and a lot of horror movies I shouldn't have been watching as a kid. I watched a lot of Friday the 13th movies and you know how, you know, it, how much nudity is in those movies and <laughs> gore and all that stuff. Um, so it's really weird. And my mom was very picky and choosy what movies I watched. And funny enough, I was introduced to uh, this miniseries, it, 
because of my mom. And I remember okay. watching it with her, but we'll get there. We'll get but there. yeah, my family, we we always watch horror movies. I, we had a local video store called West Coast Video near my house oh, yeah. growing up. And every weekend we would go there and like rent a, a new movie to watch. And it was always horror. And that's how I first seen Child's Play too, as well. And I remember I was telling my grandmother, my mom, like, I want to see Child's Play too, whatever. And we end up renting that. Got a vivid memory of that. And under, during the promo for that, they had actual Chucky doll with the suction cups on behind the hands and the feet. And I was telling my mom I wanted it. And she was just like, no, you're not getting that. <laughs> so literally the next weekend, my grandmother took me back and got it for me. Without my mom not knowing. And it was like the best thing ever. And my mom to this day probably still don't know that. Like I always kept it at her house. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like my family, we, we love her. And um, again, it was a lot of things I probably shouldn't have seen, but I grew up okay. So yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned like Friday the 13th and I, I, it's always funny to me and I brought this up multiple times. Like my parents were very specific about what I could watch. And so I had a rule where it was like, if there's nudity on the screen, I had to cover my eyes. Were your parents, uh, were they the same way or was it? more lax yes. yeah yes every time you know titties would pop up they'd be like titties for terry is like a is like a joke on the show and now we can say no titties for bobby too it would make me go out the room and i sometimes would try to sneak or if they doing this i'm like squeezing my eyes trying to like you know be through um so yes they will always try to get me out the room or cover my eyes and stuff when those scenes come on uh how Families. do you remember how old you were when you watched your first horror movie? I don't remember how old I was. Okay. Uh I just know I was very young. So you've been watching them for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, earliest I probably would say is four, maybe okay. five. Okay. Cool. Because I remember watching this movie that we were talking about um, around like five. Okay. Wow. So, and okay. I know, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can see how <laughs> I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, I watched it a lot um, at a very young age, and it, it's it's crazy because I also remember a lot of nightmares I had due to watching these horror movies. Oh, so you were a scared kid? You got scared easily, even though you watched a lot of horror movies. I enjoyed them when I watched it, but when it was time for me to go to bed, that's when I start to. Uh, uh, like, yep. Yeah. Yep. Me too. Mm-hmm. I was the same way. Yeah. Like I wasn't scared of the moment, and then I would lay in bed and think about them and be like, "Oh no, this You're is right. a bad idea." What did I do to myself? <laughs> oh, the lights are off. <laughs> Fuck. Right. I would constantly like leave my TV on just to so I can mm-hmm. like wash all the horror out. Put on yeah. Cartoon Network or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Um, but again, this movie played a huge part of me being traumatized as a kid and messing me up. Horribly. What were some of like your favorite horror movies as a kid? Ooh, so some favorite ones. I mean, again, Friday Thirteenth. I, I watched a lot of those. They were just so much fun. I love a lot of the a Nightmare on Elm Street movies because Freddy was always just a funny horror villain to me. Uh-huh. Um, and I felt like, oh, he's making me laugh. He's not that serious. Like whatever, <laughs> sure, he's not going to come get me because he's a whatever. But then. Uh, it slowly went on to Michael Myers and that's my obsession with Halloween. That's why I love Halloween so much right now um, because of reasons. But uh, yeah, I will say Friday 13th, uh, Jason Voorhees was a good one that I always loved. I love Leprechaun. Chucky was good. That's why. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all like those type of movies. I mean, I've seen, I remember watching a blob as 1988 version oh, i remember I seeing that, that when i was young mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's one of my favorites mm-hmm. it's such a good movie so good so gnarly I remember, 
so they kill kids in that one. They get them out of they here. Do. They don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, so Night good. of the Creeps was a, uh, another one I remember oh, watching a lot as a hell kid. Yeah. Well, you I watched watch. like all of the classics, like when you were growing up. So, like your, so like your parent, like your mom and your grandma, like holy shit, they really love. All right, so uh, I'm not going to completely blame them. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it was mostly. All right, so I did spend a lot of time with them, but I spent more time with my aunt and uncle uh, oh. because we're similar in age. Like my okay. uncle and okay. aunt, they're like nine, eight years older than me. That's like me. My aunt's only nine years older than me, and she's why I saw like Scream at a young age. Like she was babysitting me and shit, and like she, de- I definitely watched a lot of stuff because she was so close in age, but also, and so she was like, "Oh, you can watch it with me." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I spent so much time with them because they would watch me all the time, like after yep. school or during the weekend. So that's how I got into them. And then, like, my grandma would probably watch something, or my mom would. But I blame mostly my aunt and uncle because I spent Hell so much yeah. time with them. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But literally, in my her maid of honor speech, my aunt, who was like my sister, talked about how she showed me Scream and how she showed me scary movies when I was too young. <laughs> so very much relate to having a younger aunt, an aunt who was like. Eh, you can watch scary movies. You're five. Right. You'll be five. And see, that exactly. was me and my brother. I, I'm eight years older than my brother. And so, like, I was doing the same thing for him. I was like, yeah, let's go watch an eight-rated R movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I mean, as long... I mean, I feel like you should know. Like, again, I knew what was right and what was wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. going out trying to murder and kill yeah. people. It's, it's for entertainment, you know? So I wasn't trying to, like, copy those things that I've seen. Now, when I went to school and, you know, asked my friends, did you see this movie? They're like... <laughs> Wait, that's so, the same thing happened to me. I got in trouble because I was bragging that I saw Uh-oh. Scream, and my the, the the principal called my parents and were like, "Did you know your daughter is watching Scream?" And she's telling all the kids about it and scaring them. Yes, I live for that. See, <laughs> and everyone else is like, "What is wrong with you?" And you're like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> anyway, I love that. that. I love that. We've talked about like what kind of what you've watched and what scared you as a kid, but was there were there any other movies besides the one you're talking about today that really really got to you when you were younger? That really got to me. Um, again, besides this movie, I will say um, Evil Dead Two. Okay. Evil Dead oh, Two really? was. I feel like Evil Dead Two was like my first horror movie I watched. Oh wow! Uh, oh cool! Yeah, I know, right? Wow. Uh, <laughs> That's from my memory. I think that was like my first horror movie I watched ever. Wow. And the reasons why is because I always remember my uncles locking me in the basement, scaring me, saying, Henrietta's going to get you. And you know, Henrietta was the little dead-eyed witch in the cellar, uh-huh. fruit cellar. And he used to like just terrify me with that. And I was obsessed with that movie, but I was also very scared of it. And now watching back, you know, the movie as an adult, I'm just like, this is so goofy and silly. It's I so can see goofy. how a kid would be scared of it, but it's so silly. And I think I just love it even more because of that. It has like, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's very Looney Tunes-esque, right? With like a mm-hmm. lot of the, the violence and whatnot. I, I feel like that's a good good entry point for, for kids because it, it definitely is very kinetic and will keep your attention. But it is, still, oh, yeah. it is a little creepy if you're... Yeah, I think if you're a kid now, it's just and, really silly. But right, and when I watch it now, I don't think there's much nudity in that. I mean, mm-hmm. besides you see the naked corpse dancing around, that's spinning around. Oh, nothing, that's you know, right. With, yeah, but outside of that, I don't really remember seeing any nudity. And then the blood looked like it's like Kool Aid or something. <laughs> so it just <laughs> so yeah, it was very <laughs> lunatuny and just all of that stuff. And I can see why kids would 
be attracted to it. And I yeah. think that's why I was attracted to it. Yeah. Now, yeah. the first movie, that's a different story. Oh, that is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> that is a completely different story. Um, okay, so transitioning to being an adult, what draws you to the horror genre now? As an adult, growing up as a kid and um, just watching those movies I just named, and even watching some of the kid horror like Goosebumps and Eerie Indiana, it's just something that always stuck with me and just super entertaining for me. Like I always latched onto it more than like comedies and action movies and um, romantic dramas or whatever you want to call them. Um, it's just you have more fun with horror movies, and I feel like the conversations are more fun with them as well. So as an adult. Uh, I think, I don't know, like I just find when I find other people that love horror, like me, I get very excited and I make so many friends as an adult just connecting through horror, Mm -hmm. Um, even outside of doing YouTube, like before I even started doing that. And I would talk to friends um, about certain movies or even my coworkers or wherever they'll uh, get excited talking about horror movie with me. And then we'd be talking about it for hours. And I think it's just it's. I don't know. I'm not saying it's underrated because we're horror fans, but I would say the general public people, they don't really talk about horror movies as much. And um, when you do, they probably know the basics like Freddy and Jason mm-hmm. and Michael Myers. But then when you start bringing out the other horror movies and stuff, they'd be like, huh, what is that? And then I get excited and I try to introduce them to those horror movies. And I'm like, I don't know if it's your type of thing, but give it a try. Yeah. And sometimes I hope to get a new horror fan. <laughs> That's always the best when you can snag one. Got yeah, another exactly. one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like my best friend, she's not a complete horror head like me. Um, She's been on my channel a couple of times. But when I introduce new movies to her, she gets excited. And she's not into like certain movies. Like she's not into old school movies like this out in the 70s and 80s. It just doesn't scare her and she's not really affected by it. But what does affect her is um like possession horror. So she's okay. into like the conjuring and um maybe paranormal stuff, like you know, paranormal activity, insidious. She's into things like that. Um, but if I don't want Jason and Halloween or whatever, she's just sitting there laughing at it, like, I'm not scared of this shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So I like to find different things what people like and see what scares them and see what they would be into. Oh yeah, yeah. That is that is so interesting because I feel like a lot of my friends who aren't horror people will say, "Oh, I don't like horror movies," but they'll like one aspect of horror movies. I'm like, see, you like horror movies. You like, you like mm-hmm. certain horror movies. Like I watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola movie with. All of the, all of these people who had never lo- who did not like horror movies, and I was like, "This is a horror movie." They're like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yes, horror <laughs> yeah. movie, horror movies can look like this." Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it's just so it's so fun showing people movies like that. They're like, "Oh, this is a horror movie." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah,", yeah. and it's good. And they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, yes. like, see, horror mm-hmm. is a lot of things," and it is so fun when you get to explain that to people and have them be like oh okay and it's just it's so neat yeah i love it like i even try to tell like some uh like my family members that because they think horror is all about like blood and guts and tits and ass and it's bored in that you know there's so many different uh things in the horror genre that you can actually watch and enjoy and maybe some people might not say think it's horror us horror fans know what's horror (laughs) so we'll, we'll 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 get it so that's why I like to nitpick and ask people questions to see what they like, because maybe I could find something within that genre mm-hmm. that's for them. Well, and that's, I know, we'll move on to something else. Sorry. I just, like, I had a conversation with someone recently about, like, 
Like, well, I like thrillers, not horror. And I was like, all right, I'm going to stop you right there. What's the difference? <laughs> well, and I was like, I'm going to push on that. Like, what's the difference? And we had a really interesting conversation because people wanted to label things thriller. And I'm like, well, but that is all that to me is a horror movie. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. You know, and yeah. I think it's really interesting when people talk about how they differentiate and like yeah. what those words mean to them. So, yeah, exactly. Know, it's so cool. Anyway, so <laughs> back to Bobby, not to my own personal musings about genre definitions. You're right, though, because I, re- I remember I was on, like, um, was it, like, Tubi or one of those streaming services? And they put, I forgot what movie it was, but they put that movie as, like, a thriller. And I'm like, no, that movie is horror. What are y'all mm-hmm. putting a thriller for? But I don't know. Maybe they're trying to appeal to people. Like, they're like, or maybe they like thriller and they tricking them that way into watching the movie. Like, oh, no. like, oh yes, Seven. David Fincher movie Seven is a thriller, not a horror movie. I'm like, have you like, ever watched oh. that fucking movie? That movie is horrifying. horrifying. But anyway, yeah. anyway, Bobby. So you talked about having a lot of nightmares as a kid after watching horror movies. Do you still get scared of movies like that now, or do you, or do you, do you still feel kind of those after effects at all? Not really. It's it's okay. rare. Yeah. Um, I have nightmares more on real life stuff. Yeah. Right, so Fair. my partner. My partner watched a lot of Snap on Oxygen and all of them, like, true crime stuff. Oh, and yeah. that's what scares me. <laughs> how I watch horror is how he watched that stuff. Oh, and man. I get so scared watching it. I'm like, how can you go to bed watching it? He's like, how can you go to bed watching people getting their hair? Ripped off? I'm like, that's different. That's fake. This is real. Uh-huh. Okay? <laughs> I'm the same way, man. Exactly. I, I... <laughs> I love, and I love true crime and horror, and I love watching that shit. And it is scarier to me that it is still scarier yeah. to me than any horror movie. True yeah. crime. I had a true crime podcast keep me like had me changing the route I walked home from the bus stop when I was like commuting to and from work because I was scared mm-hmm. there was someone watching me. Yeah, <laughs> scary terrifying. man. Anyway. I'm constantly looking out my windows. I'm checking. I got like little cameras on myself. I'm looking at that every time I hear a weird noise. I don't be playing. Look, they got me paranoid out here. But the horror movies, nah. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay, so you you mentioned your YouTube channel. Um, how did you get interested in doing uh, YouTube and podcasting and that kind of aspect of of content creation? How did how did how did you get into that? Yeah, so. Um, Probably in my early 20s, I attempted to start a YouTube channel just reviewing movies in general. Not even just mm-hmm. horror movies, but um, just because I love movies. And I played along with that, and then I stopped because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but then when I started doing my YouTube channel, well, when I first started thinking about doing my YouTube channel, before I even came up with Bobby Likes a Spooky, it was just my name, Bobby Great Torres. title. <laughs> I know, right? Return of the Living Dead, thank you. One of my favorite zombie movies, and... Trash is one of my favorite characters, and it's a scene where she's with Suicide, the character, and he says something to her, and she's like, I like it, Spooky, and I say, yes, I'm taking it, putting it on my um, YouTube channel. <laughs> That's great. But um, I started because, uh, I, again, I, I really love horror, and I see a lot of movie reviews on YouTube, but I didn't really see too many that look like me, like I'm a black queer man, and I don't mm-hmm. really see too many black queer people talking about horror in general, for one. And yep. for two, um, I wanted to be that person where I can see, like, people look at me and say, oh, I see him doing it. I could do the same thing, too, because I love it. And since starting it, I actually got a lot of messages saying, like, yo, I never realized there was another person that looked like me that loved horror as much as I did. And that's why I truly do it. And that makes mm-hmm. me feel great, because I don't really care 
about getting monetized or none of that stuff. Like, that's not really important to me. I do it simply just because I love the genre itself and I love meeting people through it. Like, I met you guys. I met, you know, Brother Ghoulish, Mike. Like, so many, I bet so many cool, dope people now that I now consider friends. And I think that's why I truly do this and it keeps me going. Because there's times when I actually want to stop doing my YouTube because I'm just like, nobody's watching my stuff. Nobody cares. Like, other people have... I mean, people have other people to watch. Why would they have, want to hear what I have to say? But then when I get those messages and those little comments, it keeps me going. And then keeping, you know, I keep meeting friends and meeting new people that's into uh, the genre. And it just it just puts a smile on my face and just make me want to keep doing it all the time. So um, that's why I love doing it. And I, I'm naturally I'm a creative, too. Like, I like to work on things and create things. I'm just that person. I used to draw. I used to dance. I always have to work on something. So um, this also keeps me out of trouble, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and it's a it's a it's a fun thing. And again, I just love meeting the people that I you know met by, just by doing this. And as far as podcasting, I never thought about doing podcasting. Um, I listen to everybody. I listen to you guys. I had like my list of podcasters. I said I ain't doing podcasts. YouTube is good enough for me, right? And then Mike hit me up he was like you would like to be on my guest on the show sure he's like you know what i like you here and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. and he was like so you think about coming back i'm like sure and then he was like so um i've been thinking about having a guest you know like a permanent co-host or whatever i'm like oh sure who are you thinking and <laughs> i knew he went i knew he went to ask me but i want to play with his head uh, of course so, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> so he was just like bobby like i was going to ask you i'm just like oh he said, what do you mean? Like, I'm just like, I, um, let's do a test run. I'll, you know, I'll be on a couple episodes. We'll see how it go. And if, you know, I like it and it fits well. And then, you know, it's just a, you know, I, I feel like if it's natural, then sure. And it turned out great. I'm obviously that's, I'm still here. I'm a co-host to his show now. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a journey. Um, still is a journey. <laughs> and it's different. I'm starting to see this uh the podcasting side of things because I'm always so used to YouTube and working with video. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty similar. It's just I'm working with audio opposed to video. Yeah. Um and even though Mike does all the editing and stuff, because like I already know you got a lot on your plate. Like I'll do that part because I actually want I like, oh thank you, please, thank you. I don't have enough time. But um I did help out in a lot of aspects on a lot of things and um, I even told him like if you need my help for anything I know how to edit audio so I'm here for it so it's been fun doing both and then Scream Kings I'm a part of that too it's a collective group of us um, every week we talk about a new subject in horror and we just sit near scratching each other eyes out yelling at each other <laughs> having final girl debates and just yeah it's a fun time with that <laughs> so I'm staying busy I'm staying busy hell yeah you are yeah I got to say that, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, the thing that you said where you didn't see people like you on YouTube and honestly, like for the longest time, I stayed away from talking about horror because I always had like a preconceived notion of who was the people controlling horror media. And it was like straight white men. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like, it wasn't until, I don't know, 2017, 2016, maybe when I started to realize that, no, there is actually 
a lot more diversity in horror and people, there's people talking about it that I never completely, I never realized. And so it's important that I, I know it's, I, and I'm giving you a pep talk right now. I know that sometimes it's no, really no, no. exhausting <laughs> on like YouTube to like have to do all that stuff, but I'm just, it's, it's so important to be able, if you have that ability to be able to do it because you don't know about that little scared queer kid or, you know, person of color or whatever that is, yeah. that doesn't know that they are welcome in the community. And so I think I like what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. And I, like I said, that's what keeps me going. Like the people have been great. And just to get those messages, like I got one last week, literally one guy was just like, um, for Screen Kings, he was just like, I never... Like, this is my first time seeing a group of gay black men talking about horror. Yeah. He's like, I've never seen it. And he was like, I, I love this. He's like, I see myself. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I wanted to cry. Like, and <laughs> it just, I don't know. It just, it, 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 it means a lot. And that's what keeps me going and want me, you know, it keeps me wanting to keep doing this for people. Because you never know. Like, I might inspire somebody else to do this, you know. Mm -hmm. And I love that. You know, like I, I didn't see that too much for myself and don't get me wrong. Like I have people that don't look like me that I love watching, mm -hmm. but you know, it's different when you have representation and yep. it, I always say representation matters. So um, I want to be that for a lot of people. Well, oh, especially yeah. in like a community that people are so, are, I think horror has a very, I think appropriate reputation of not being an inclusive welcoming. And I, I, I know that we've had, we've all had, you know, very accepting experiences in the horror community, but we've also probably all had really shitty like experiences in the community. So it's like always nice to have creators and people out there who are at least like little bastions of hope and like light amongst mm -hmm. a sea of people who can be pretty fucking gross. Because as much as as cool people are, it can be difficult out there to find, like, the good pockets of groups of people like us who love horror. Because it can be so gatekeepy. So it's always yeah. so amazing that, you know, Bobby, you having your podcast and your work just, you know, hey, guys, not all horror is so rude and gross. Yeah. I've seen a lot of nasty people, like, out there. Um, I try my best not to communicate with them. You know, I simply just don't communicate with them. Or if they, yeah. if I happen to follow them just because I didn't know and I happen to see something, I just unfollow them or yep. block them because I choose. Like, a lot of people say I hate, like, social media because there's nothing but this, this, and that. But your social media is what you make it. It's like you follow people. You can easily yes. unfollow them and block them. And my yep. social media never was how it is now. Like, a long time ago, it was just me talking about Rihanna at the VMAs, like, <laughs> the whole of the time, you know what I mean? And then when I got more into, like, my channel and started meeting different people, and I wanted to make my, you know, my Twitter a certain thing, and even my Instagram, I made it just as that, you know? And, and yeah. I, I weed out all the negative shit. And um, I enjoy it. So any th neg negative thing I see that I don't like, I kind of just mute it, That's block it, unfollow. From my men my mental, I mean, everyone yeah. <laughs> follow Bobby's example. Don't engage. Yes. Don't think about it. Just unfollow, block, get it yeah. off of your timeline forever. There's no point in engaging. Mm. Uh, so yeah. I should take that advice more often. <laughs> Me too. But but also, we need a new Rihanna album now that you mentioned her. Listen, I want a new Rihanna oh, album. She, she just that stupid shit with Fenty with Johnny Depp, though, and that makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes that me sad. That brought me the wrong way, but I, look, when she dropped we music, still, I'm still there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm that's true. I, I mean, she, her, her albums are just fire, every single one. Like, 
anyway, this is not a Rihanna podcast, <laughs> but I, I was just thinking about her because, like, isn't she, I think she's performing at the halftime show, right? Isn't that, yeah. isn't she oh, doing that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because wasn't everyone like, it's going to just be a Fenty fashion show? And I was like, that's <laughs> fine with me. Like, <laughs> she just the song recently for the Black Panther 2 soundtrack. Oh, and at first I didn't right. care for it. I'm not I'm a just really like, big Ugh. fan of it honestly unfortunately yeah, but, but did you see the movie no i haven't seen it yet i haven't had a chance to okay so when you see the movie because i wasn't a big fan of it either but how the song plays within the movie it makes i like okay. it much more yeah okay it, it makes a lot of sense is it is the second is the second black panther good it's it's good it's <laughs> very um it's not like the first i will say that it's not like the first because you know unfortunately we lost chadwick yeah um so they're focused on obviously you know losing t'challa and things like that so i mean i will say it's not worth the, you know, the two and a half hours <laughs> Um, I didn't have I, the same excitement like I did the first one, but what I will say is, I feel like it is good. Not better than the first one, but it is a yeah. good movie. I, it, I just don't have the same excitement, and I don't yeah. think a lot of people yeah, have the same excitement just because of... It's hard, right? With, yeah, it's hard. Because of losing But I will him. say, everybody did such a great job. Angela Bassett, um, I think it's Letitia Wright who plays Shuri, uh-huh. the, character, um, the actress who played... Like, everybody just did such a great job, and then that, um, the new... Uh, anti-hero whoever oh, um, Namor? Namor? Namor is a, oh my god the Mayan oh. indigenous oh anyway sorry to make this like <laughs> talking about other movies but I was like he gives me the vapors he's look I'm just like when you watch some I'm just like okay mm-hmm. me and my boyfriend looked at each other and he was like he's fucking hot I'm like I know right <laughs> <laughs> um on that note uh Bobby... <laughs> What other movie about a aquatic hottie did you bring with you Just home for now. I know a lot of people's all about Aquaman and stuff right now, but right now we all know home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bobby, what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Okay, so I bought um the It miniseries 1990. Oh boy. Yes. So for those of you unfamiliar, it uh the miniseries Starts in 1960, where seven preteen outcasts fight an evil demon who poses as a child-killing clown. 30 years later, they reunite to stop the demon once and for all when it returns to their hometown of Derry. Of Derry. All right. So, Bobby, take us back to, I think you said five years old. Take us back to when you saw this movie. How did you see this movie? Why did you see this movie? And (laughs) give us your Scarred for Life story. We want to hear it all. Okay. So... Um, when you hit me up and asked me about this a while ago, I knew exactly what movie I wanted to talk about because this movie, <laughs> again, super traumatizing. That's why I'm here. <clears throat> so I remember watching this and I blame my mama because I remember I, I didn't watch it as it was airing on TV, but I think okay. my mom had rented from the same mm-hmm. uh video store and it was like a double um, that VHS double set. vhs yes yeah, the mm-hmm. double VHS. Uh-huh. yes it was that yes. and she ran it and i was watching it with her and i would just say like it just got me the hell out of here <laughs> tim curry in that moment first of all the movie starts off with you know the little girl on the the, the tricycle 
and he gets her out of here. And just Tim Curry's facial expressions itself was terrifying for me. But then when we get to that moment with Georgie in the sewer, I was like, you know what? I can't. I don't think I ever watched the second part of this movie. I watched the first one, and I didn't finish oh. the second one for a very long time because that's how fucked up this movie had me. Like, <laughs> I never <laughs> knew. And I think that's why it was much scarier for me because I didn't know how it ended i didn't know how pennywise died so in my head i'm thinking like he's still around this is happening and i never watched that second movie and that's my fault (laughs) because um i just i i didn't want to and i probably watched it maybe a few years afterwards with my cousins i think we were having like a little sleepover or something and we ended up watching the second part and it was just as scary but it became a little less scary when we found out that Pennywise become this huge alien spider. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, really? This was it? Okay, sure. I was scared of this damn spider the whole entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So d- d- did you watch the entire first uh, episode? Or did did you, like, turn it off after? I watched the first yeah, one. watched all of it? entire first one. But the second one, I just never... That was it. After that first VH, just tape was done. I didn't watch that second one with my mom. And I think she knew I was scared because I would have nightmares because of Pennywise. Like, when I would go to bed, like I would mention you guys, I would have these reoccurring nightmares of Pennywise to the point where I would wake up in the middle of the night or try to sneak downstairs and put on the TV. And my mom like, go in the gutter bed! And um, (laughs) he really, like, just scared me. And even in my basement, like, my mom had a finished basement and there was this picture when we moved in the house, it was like these three clowns and they were very like animated. One was like on a jungle gym. Another one was like on a bike. And I never wanted to walk past that to go into the laundry room because of Pennywise. And I'm thinking it's going to come alive because obviously in the one scene in this movie, you remember when they were looking through the book and the black and white photo Mm -hmm. turned into a hole. I thought that was going to happen to me. Oh no. (laughs) With the clowns in the photo. So um, Pennywise just, he, he terrified me. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear your, and we'll, we'll get to this in a minute. I'm curious to hear your thoughts watching this as an adult, because I think that this version of Pennywise is probably more traumatizing if you're a kid, because he is very like Bozo the clown, you know, very traditional clown that you'd see at birthday parties or that you'd see represented on television. And there's like, I know that when they created him, they wanted him to be very friendly looking on the surface because I I mean, how else are you going to get kids to come to you? If you're not, if you know, you can't be like this traumatizing, horrifying visage, if you want to be able to lure kids in to, to kill him or whatnot. So I I'm curious, I'm curious about that aspect of it as a kid versus now, because we have, of course, now two versions of Pennywise the Clown, and I have right. my own personal opinion on which one is is scarier. But I'm I'm curious does does Pennywise still affect still scare you this this version of him as an adult? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not as terrifying like how it was when I was a kid, obviously, because I'm a 34 four year old man now, and I'm just like I don't got time to be scared of no damn clown. <laughs> But <laughs> watching this movie, it took me back okay. to those times when I was, you know, a kid and being scared in my room. Every time I watch it, it just, it, it brings those memory, memories back. And like I said, Tim Curry, again, just 
how he sounds, his voice, the way he changes. Hiya, he Georgie. does appear from. <laughs> ah, don't do that. Um, <laughs> Bobby just became five years old again. <laughs> He's been transported back in time. That was great. And, you know, Bill Skarsgård did the same thing, but it just didn't hit the same. Okay. But for some reason, you sound like the Pennywise version, so that just got me a little bit. I mean, um, uh, Tim Curry version, I'm sorry. I but forgot yeah. that he has, like, a Jersey accent in this. Like, it, it sounds does. Jersey, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> like, he sounds like he's like a Jersey clown that's been, like, chain-smoking for years. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he has been smoking a lot on the set of this movie. Like, I was this, this is the picture of him smoking cigarettes in the Pennywise car. Oh, it's my favorite thing. That's all I could think about in these parts. I was just thinking of him smoking a cigarette. Like, you sound like exactly like the photos look like. So, I mean, incredible. Yeah. Love that. That's scary, you know? <laughs> so, when you finally did watch the, the, the second part at a, a sleepover, is that is that what you said? Did that scare you as much as when you first saw it? Um, not, not really. I mean, we see... And it's funny because when I was watching the movie again to prepare for this, I noticed that we got a little bit more Pennywise in the second half when there were adults more than the first part, mm-hmm. I believe. And I think it was more so he's not really going after kids in the second one, where in the first one you see that was the main thing. This time you got the group of kids, you know, the Losers Club grown now, they're adults. And you just have Pennywise warning them, like, get the hell out of here before mm-hmm. I kill you all. And he's kind of like taunting them at the same time as well. So I found it a little bit more funny because there was some moments when there were adults where it had me laughing where, like, for instance, when Richie was in the library and he's on the <laughs> Pennywise is like making all this noise and playing with the little <laughs> trolley <laughs> thing and <laughs> saying horrible jokes. And that really had me cracking up. And I think as a kid watching that part, too, had me laughing, especially since I was with um, friends and family. Mm-hmm. It was to me a little bit less scary, you know? So that first part is a little, just a little bit more scarier to me than the second half. Uh, but again, Tim Curry overall as this clown is terrifying. So, it, okay. So it's very funny that you talk about how you only saw the first half because I have the inverse story about how I first saw this movie. So okay. <laughs> I had, I, and I only remembered this after I watched it yesterday, like revisiting it. Cause I was like, oh, I've seen this whole thing. Like I know all of this realizing that I'd only watch actually the second half because so for Halloween, I've talked about this a couple of times in the podcast, but when I was in high school, Halloween was instead of trick or treating, it was now like movie marathon time. So we would go to my friend's house after going to Blockbuster or rating our parents like stashes of DVD, like DVDs and VHSs and watch horror movies. And we wanted to watch it. Um, and this was before the new one came out. So there was only, there was only one it. And my friend was like, oh, but it's three hours long. And us being like 15, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not watching a three hour long movie. And she was like, yeah, the first part's boring anyway. So let's just watch the second part. So I didn't, and this is like, I hadn't, I hadn't read it or any, like, I didn't know anything. I knew what it was, but like, I didn't know who the characters were. So we were like, okay, we'll just watch the second one. Second part. Because the first part, I'm watching it. I was like, I don't remember any of this. And then all of a sudden, this mm-hmm. stuff with Richie started happening in the library. And I was like, oh, it's because we only watched part two because my friends <laughs> said that part one was boring and not worth watching. So I only saw part two. And like, wow. <laughs> 
So I remember that yesterday. <laughs> That's how I saw this movie for the first time. Because okay, it was all happening. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think about the first half then? Like now watching it? It's weird watching it after also having seen the new ones. Because I'm okay. also now comparing the new ones to that in my head. But I think it's a very interesting to me the fascination with it in general and what and i understand why because i feel like scary clowns are like a universal thing and i think there's a lot of really interesting things going on in this movie and in the story about like small town america and trauma and all this stuff i just don't think the kids were as good as the new kids and i feel bad saying that but like the acting is not it feels very 90 it feels very 90s miniseries is what it is and i don't it's necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely it feels like a very big product of its time kind of scenario right. to me. I do like, I will say, I do like the approach that the miniseries takes in having the adults and kids mixed together the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I know yes. the book does this. Yes. I haven't read the yeah. full book. I have not read the full. I've tried twice. It's Terry's favorite book. I'll talk about it. I can't, I haven't been able to read it, but I I do know from the attempts I've made to read it, Bobby shaking his head, that they mix the kids and the adults, and I like that better than keeping them separate, like keeping them separate, like they did with the new versions. I like the having the past and the past and the present more intertwined. I did like that a lot better, yeah. And watch in watching it this way, this time. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, when I first seen the remake, I was just like, oh, like, we're not going to get the adults until, like, later, you know, on or whatever. And I'm, I was kind of happy with the choices that they made. Um, but I do agree with uh, the intertwined with the adults back and forth. And I think it's, like, always all the second part that I didn't realize it was intertwined in the first part. So when I saw the the new It, the new part, It part one, I thought it was this, I didn't realize that it had changed until I yeah. saw people talking about it. And I was like, Oh, a lot of things are making sense now in my in my brain. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Look, I also read this big ass book, how thick this is. And I read all right, so I never read the book ever, okay? And when the newer version came out in um twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I said, let me just reread this, go and you know, uh visit it again and just see how it is. And um yeah. Um <laughs> I wish I haven't. Um, all right, so I did, and then I bought the, and I bought and I bought the audios because sometimes, all right, so I read this at home and then like on my way commute into work and from work, um, I got the audio version so I can go back and forth. But the amount of times the N word is being used in this book, uh-huh. okay, and then also yep. just mm-hmm. not even just racism, but just like just a whole bunch of craziness happening here. I'm like, Stephen King, what is wrong with you, man? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah, but it's, I mean, the man is a genius, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to reread this again. I'll just watch the movies and be happy. I was talking <laughs> to Terry. Oh, it's so funny. I was talking <laughs> to Terry about this, because so Terry will chime in, but t- yeah, Terry, actually, you go first. You go first about, about this. <laughs> I have read this book maybe half a dozen times. What? <laughs> it's um. I know he told me that. It's like I couldn't even. Okay. Get, I've tried to read it two times, and I have not gotten to two hundred pages when I've tried to read it. Wow. It's not only like it's it's probably my it it is my favorite Stephen King book, but it's also one of my favorite novels. Period. Weirdness yeah. and all like. 
Don't get me started on the whole, like, I mean, people keep calling it, referring it to a child orgy, but it is a gangbang because they aren't having no sex oh, yeah. with each other. They're all having sex with Beverly. Like, that is weird. Yeah, well, there person. is some yeah. weird shit in here. I will not deny that. There is a lot of homophobic, racist shit in here, but it all, in my opinion, serves a point. And this mm-hmm. book just, I don't know, there's something about this book that I just taps into me. I mean, I was an English major. I love reading novels. The bigger the novel, the better. This one is one that I, I remember. Well, okay. So first I remember before I even read the book, I remember seeing the VHS of, of um, it at, mm-hmm. well, the double VHS in that white box with Pennywise on the front and this like alien claw reaching over. Right. And I, that was such a, a visceral image that I remember seeing over and over and over again in uh, the library or not the library, the, the uh, blockbuster or Hollywood video or whatever. And my parents wouldn't let me watch it. They wouldn't let me, there was like, at that time it was at the stage where my parents started becoming more conservative with what I was able to consume in, in like movies and whatnot, but they allowed me to read and I had found Stephen King and then I remember finally getting the book it and being like, oh, this book is huge. And just like sitting through it and reading that book and just it captured my imagination. It like was probably the one of the first times that I'd ever seen queer people in a book. Mm-hmm. And some of the representation is is very negative. Like Henry Bowers is a closeted yeah. queer person who is taking out his mm-hmm. his his internalized homophobia out on other people. Like there's a lot of like there's a lot of internal struggle going on in this book, but I think that it is so fascinating because this, this book, when you start to like peel it back in the layers of what, of what Stephen King is trying to do, he's trying to explain how fucked up America is mm-hmm. <laughs> and how much adults are willing to just look the other way. And yeah. it's like, kids see it. Kids are the victims of it. And yet we have adults that are just like, and that's one thing I will say this miniseries does incredibly well. There's that one moment where Beverly is talking about being accosted yep. on the street by, by Henry and his gang. And there's this guy and she's like, it's Mr. I think Ross was his name. I can't remember exactly what his, what his name was that she mentioned, but he's like, he, he's, turns, the other way. he turns the other yeah. way and walks off. And I'm like, that is that right there is one of the nuggets that I think Stephen King is exploring by using dairy as like a microcosm to explore the macrocosm problems of racism and homophobia and abuse and all this kind of continual trauma that is happening in America that no one wants to really discuss and about how like the cycles keep happening. Cause it, I, it's, it's very pointed that Pennywise keeps coming back every generation as if like, there is like a new trauma that's going to happen. That's going to fuck people up over this generation. And he just kind of represents that continual churn of just, evil that is happening in this country and so like i don't know i find this book incredibly fascinating problematic in spots but incredibly fascinating Mm -hmm. so like yeah Yeah. i've read it so many times i love it (laughs) it's been a while i read it right before it chapter one came out the the movie Mm -hmm. and that was the last time i've i've read it since then because it is a a time commitment i i will admit that but uh um yeah no i just totally it was a journey when i when i read it i i mean i'm happy that i did and it was something like I've never read before. And like I said, when I read it again, probably no, not anytime soon. But, you know, I never say never. <laughs> Maybe, you know, 25 years from now when I'm a lot older, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe every 27 years. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, okay, so... I don't even there's so much to like that you could dig into with with this this mini series in the book but there's one thing that that surprised me right off and that was I 
I could not. I I forgot that Adrian Mellon is not in this in this at this adaptation mm-hmm. this of version, it. Yeah, yeah. The, the gay man that is uh, brutally murdered in both the book and in it chapter two, and they replace it with like a scene of a little of that little girl that you mentioned. What is her name? Like Lori Ann or something like that that ends up getting abducted yeah. by by it. And I think the one thing that that the miniseries I think does really well is grounds it in like just kids like it is kids trauma that is happening because like in the book and in the chapter two like adrian is not a kid he's you know he's i think like 18 20 somewhere around that like that that age range and so like i think that this miniseries it feels like it's made more for kids in a weird way i I feel weird saying that but because it is like kinder trauma and it is like kids in danger there and the fact that it was airing on like abc at you know evening like it feels more i don't know it feels more like it was made for a family audience in a way if that makes sense well, especially yeah. the, it's yeah. which is so interesting because they still can say the n-word on abc okay. family and do some like pretty yeah. fucked up stuff that like you shouldn't be able to do on abc family in the 90s like it's very interesting what is prioritized and what isn't prioritized like what is what is seen as acceptable and what is not in the 90s on tv like that is fascinating to me um yeah especially in like using hate like hate speech and slurs and things like that like being able to show those Mm -hmm. kinds of things and choosing not to show the hate crime uh, at the beginning with adrian mel it's just a very fascinating look at priorities that honestly yeah. like i know that we had adrian mellon in the part two but we can talk about how that was handled for a long time as well um <laughs> and how it both and all of but also i feel like it speaks to how they handle queerness with the queer characters as well and like it is very sanitized terry which i think is something you wrote in our notes is that this does feel mm-hmm. very sanitized and i, I do mm-hmm. kind of agree that while it is really scary, it does feel like it's more meant for younger kids. It could be meant for kids to watch. Because while there are absolutely horrifying moments with Pennywise, he's not in it that much, if you really think about it. Like, he's not... Yeah. You don't see him a ton. And the violence that I remember reading at the beginning of, like, the... I read the beginning of the book. It's just so violent with the way Georgie's arm is ripped off and mm-hmm. everything like that. But in, this, in the miniseries, it's pretty sanitized. Like, it's not very oh, yeah. violent... It's not, I mean, again, scary clowns will do it all, all the time. But again, like, it is very kind of watered down from what yeah. I think I thought I mean, it was. I get because it was on, you know, TV, you know, <laughs> yeah. where they have to get those things out. It wasn't on cable television. So I, I understand that. Yeah. And I remember Tim Curry saying something about, like, it's not meant for kids. But when you watch it, it does seem that way. Because, you know, it's very kid driven, you know, you're following these group of kids and, you know, their problems, you know, not just what's going on with the clown, but also their personal struggles and things like that, being bullied and, you know, abusive parents, things like that. But I think being as though it's on TV and it is sanitized, I think for me, it it made it a little bit more scarier because I'm a Mm -hmm. fan of like the unknown. Sometimes less is more. And okay. with me, I think that's what did it, especially mm-hmm. being young. Mm. Like me just seeing Tim Curry play Pennywise the way he did was just scary enough for me. You know, like I didn't have to see, I mean, I don't know, because Bill Skarsgård, you know, version, I was grown watching that. So I don't know how it would be as a kid to watch that, probably 10 times scarier. But I think Tim Curry did a great job, just the way he looked, 
the way he talked, the way he changed his voice, um, the way he was animated, and it's something scary about his performance for me. And I think that would scare any kid, honestly. Like, he seems friendly, but when his voice starts changing, then all of a sudden his eye colors change and he, he get the Those razor sharp teeth yeah. and things like yeah just like what the hell and it's the aftermath too again with the little girl in the beginning you didn't see what he did to her but all you just see was the bike flipped over and the and mom's, the mom's reaction, reaction. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly and at least it's like theater of the mind you have to play in your head what happened to her all they said was i think she was mutilated or something and that was it you know and you don't know exactly how mutilated she was but it just it's left to the imagination. Um, same thing with Georgie. Even though in the book is read what happens to him, but in this uh, the miniseries, you just see him scream and then it cuts. In the newer version, you actually see Pennywise <laughs> take a chop and rip the arm off. He's Georgie crawling as his arm is gushing blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Like that was insane. So I can't be. I can't imagine being a kid watching that. That would probably traumatize me. My only problem though is because maybe because I'm older is that uh, it's a lot of CGI and the new one that takes me out of oh, it. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. I'm so used to, like, old school shit and practical effects. So, um, yeah, sometimes when I was, like, when I was watching it, especially after the first one, I said, all right, the second one is going to get better. They made so much more money. Maybe they're going to calm down on the CGI, and they made it. It was worse they than the second it. one. <laughs> that, it was worse. That is, that is my one of my big complaints about the movies, is the amount of, of CG and the kind of cartoony makeup job they did. Like, even, mm-hmm. like, the the transient person that is, like, plague-ridden and whatnot, he just, even oh, though yeah. a lot of that is prosthetics, he it looks cartoony. And so there's, like, a definite divide in in that in that movie where it's, like, even when it's not CG, it still has this like feel still. of CG because it feels not of this world, if that makes sense. Yeah. And maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah. But I don't know. It just made it a little less scary for me. Same. But OK, so but I, I think you're kind of tapping into something that I was thinking as I was watching this movie, because I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think this movie is a little boring watching as an adult. <laughs> I'm gonna be yeah. honest. I, uh, yeah. I I was a little bored through through part of it. I I thought it was wild that this movie is three hours and what seven minutes long, and it chapter two is two hours and forty five minutes long. But I would much rather watch it chapter two. <laughs> In yeah. terms of like, I and I, I feel bad saying that because I know this. I know this miniseries is near and dear to a lot of people, particularly of of specific age that either you know watched it on the VHS tapes or watched it live or whatever. I I get that this has like a huge nostalgic feel to it. It just it drags. It's, it's pretty little, long, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just it's a little it's a little too sanitized for me because yeah. I but but again, if I were like the right age watching this like if i was if i were you or if i was like in that kind of young child age and i saw this i would be fucking traumatized absolutely yeah. but this this miniseries does leave a lot to the imagination and i think particularly and that's why again i think that this movie is probably captured a lot of kids because mm-hmm. it does require a lot of imagination on the person whereas like now as i'm an adult and i've seen so many horror movies it's like i need a little bit more than yeah. what you're giving me. But, like, as a kid, if I oh, yeah. were seeing this, I I think it would have traumatized me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a nostalgia thing, you know? Because, again, if I was to watch this for the first time at the age I am, I definitely would be bored as hell. Like, why do people find this the hell scary? Uh, but, you know, like you said, I watched this as a kid, so there's that. If, if I didn't, then it would be different. And it's so interesting because 
because even it coming out in 2017 and when it, Chapter 2 came out, people loved it. Like, both, but I think it was both nostalgia, but I, a huge new audience of young horror fans found it, too, mm-hmm. which I think is so mm-hmm. cool. Because, like, again, I feel like I, when how old I am, I can't, it was like I watched the original It too late. And then I also saw the new one too late to be like the target audience for like loving it. But goddamn, if like on Tumblr and stuff, like people went ape shit for Pennywise yeah. and for and for for it. So it's really yeah. interesting to see how it has captured like audiences of horror fans, like the younger audiences, because yeah. I think because it is a movie and a story that's not afraid of putting kids in peril, mm-hmm. I think it does yeah. really stand out. And a, a movie that put kids in peril that is really popular because we yeah. have a lot of like horror movies that put kids in peril, but they're not they're not like big blockbuster mainstream. like mainstream releases. Yeah. But this one isn't like the I mean, fucking it one and two. The new ones are like the hi- highest grossing movies ever Mm -hmm. or close to that which is so cool but it is really interesting about how younger audiences gravitate towards it both as like a almost like a dare but also like a oh i can see myself as a young kid in this scenario way better than if i was watching like another kind of horror movie geared towards adults it's really interesting and i think we all secretly like like clowns in a a weird way like because Pennywise is an animated being, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I can see how people that probably didn't even see the OG watch the new one and can be attracted to it. Because it's like, you got this clown. It's demonic in some way. We don't know exactly what it is. And again, like you said, it's putting, this movie, the movie's putting kids in peril and just like they're in danger. And, you know, that's, that's something scary because we don't get too much of that. Because when yeah. you put kids in danger, sometimes that can be a, a problem to most people because it's like, oh, you got to leave the kids alone. Where me, I'm like, no, all the kids can fucking <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. Especially the ones Hurt that them. deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of them. But, um, Beat them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, especially since um, Stranger Things been out when this is the newer one came out and everybody in the 80s was such a huge thing. I think that's why they even with the newer one, they didn't set it like in the 1950s. They pushed it to like um, like the 70s or something like that. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so they even pushed it back a little bit. And um, yeah, I think my kids were hot then with kids being on their bikes in the 80s and mm-hmm. stuff. So it was already capturing that feel of, of that audience already. So I think that's why it yeah. probably was another huge success because of that reason. And again, Bill Skarsgård, like those promos, man. I, when he... When I seen that trailer the first time of Bill Skarsgård and that makeup and just seeing him act as Pennywise, I was just like, this is going to be good. This is going to be great. And I, I actually enjoy it. I will watch the newer versions more than the OG, obviously, because I think it's faster and it is a little bit more entertaining. But the scarier Pennywise to me will always be Tim Curry. Always. Yeah, I was actually talking about this earlier with someone else. I was like, oh yeah, I rewatched the new or the older It and how it's like, Bill, I like Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise better performance-wise, but mm-hmm. I do think because, well, one, because it's a lot of CGI with this Pennywise, but I also think that 
it's it's the CGI, but also it's so campy. And I feel like <laughs> Pennywise is like an inherently kind of campy character, but but Tim Curry plays it a little bit more straight. It's not as like kind of like hello, kind of silly, like you want to laugh a little bit. Like it yeah. is kind of like, oh, you're a creepy old man in a, in a clown costume. <laughs> like you did, right. nothing about you says I I mean you no harm. And then he quickly transforms. I think there's something about that kind of. There's less of a distance from Pennywise in the miniseries than there is, I feel, in the newer ones. Let's be honest. A kid would be more willing to take a balloon from Tim Curry's Pennywise than from the Pennywise in the new It. Like, that <laughs> oh. Pennywise is like, you ain't learning any kids with that outfit. That shit is <laughs> fucked up, sir. Definitely not. Your eye. Your, your you're head. able to like. Like, you don't have a human shaped head. head. Like, your forehead is Sir, oh, there is no way I'm coming into the sewer with you. But but if if Tim all, Curry, I'm not coming can... into the sewer with anybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm not even a clown. Uh, I mean, if it was like really Bill Skarsgård out of makeup, I would probably follow him. No, I, just... I wouldn't. I love Bill Skarsgård, but he's a little I... creepy. He's a little creepy. I... He's a little creepy dude with his big eyes. Like he'd be like, "Yeah, I found something cool down here. Come show me. I'll show he's you. So... I'll show you a dead thing and then kill you." Like he's so I cute. just. I he's, and we're gonna, I think we're going to have this conversation when we talk about Barbarian, but I would definitely follow. Oh, look, I would follow I'm him. Not, I love a creepy boy who kind of looks like he might be scary, but it's actually very sweet. That does so not cute. mean if Bill Skarsgård was in a sewer, I would follow him because oh, even yeah. I would be I, like, I'm too fat I, to get into the sewer, but I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> that is what is going to happen. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Let me in. <laughs> Eric Andre Giff, let me in. I'm telling you. I'm just, I gotta live my life, okay? I am crawling into that sewer. I don't care how. Okay. I'm finding a way into that fucking sewer. I'm here for it. And we can do it Terry, next to the rats and feces, if Terry, that's what needs to be done. You're fucking gross. Uh, I love don't you. Don't do no, it, Terry. That's fine. Don't do it. Uh, yeah. It's all fake. It's pretty wise. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> Take me now. I'm ready to see the dead lights. At least you'd be happy. You'd be in the dead lights thinking you're looking at Bill Skarsgård's abs. Mm. No. Mm. Oh, yeah, right. Mm. <laughs> what a way to go. I mean, I know this is off subject, but I feel like he was the best part in Barbarian for me. I mean, I... <sighs> I'm not going to go too deep into that movie, but I seen the movie mostly because of him. I will say that. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but that kind of leads into like I do. I do want to talk about the queerness. I want to talk about queerness because mm-hmm. here we have um, the book, which tackles queerness in different ways. We have the miniseries and we have the movies, and each one has queerness as subtext or text. But they do things differently. And what I find is so interesting is one of the things that was like the impetus for for Stephen King writing it in the first place. Like there's a couple different disparate things that he was uh, trying to work through. Like he wanted to tell um, an adaptation of Three Billy Goats Gruff and talk about like the the thing under the the bridge. He was talking – he – had found out that there's like a massive sewer system under Bangor, Maine that like was made haphazardly and no one has like a good map of it. 
because it was just sort of like built over time and it's massive apparently under there. So there's that going on. But then there was another story that he had seen in a newspaper and it was about the time they, um, here's a quote. There had been a story in the newspaper about the time we decided to move up here about a young man who came out of the Jaguar Tavern during the Banger Fair. He was gay and some guys got to joking with him and the joking got out of hand and they threw him over a bridge and killed him. And I thought, that's what I want to write about. Tabby didn't really want it want to come here, but eventually we did. And so he has this nugget of a story about this guy, this poor gay person that was thrown over a bridge. And that sort of like became like an impetus to, to kind of dig into the sort of like horrors of small town Americana and America as a, as a whole. And so we had there's a lot in the in the book about internalized homophobia. We kind of talked a little bit earlier about Henry Bowers, and there's like a scene in the book where he and one of his uh, his gang has, think, end up like kind of fucking. And it's I like think it was this, Patrick Hotstetter. Yes, I think it was Patrick Hotstetter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like that aspect of it, and there's like this 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 undertone of queerness that is throughout that book, and so I was I was really curious revisiting the miniseries to see what if any queerness was in here and we kind of get it in eddie eddie is Mm -hmm. definitely like queer coded in this in this uh adaptation i would say but okay being queer coded means living with your mom and being a virgin which i is so right (laughs) 1990s man like it's just so it's not funny i say that as in like a frustrated kind of way of just like really was like I had a hard time keeping track of who was who watching this, by the way, just because like there's they all look the same, and I just couldn't keep track. Um, <laughs> but I was like, "Wait, you're giving you're making the gay character live with his naggy mother, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> and then also be a virgin and tell everyone." It's like I know it's the '90s, but it's just so laughably bad watching it now. It's just like, well. I shouldn't be surprised, but it's pretty egregious for the '90s for that to be the queer the queer coding. Yeah, and he's got glasses and he's skinny. <laughs> like he's a little fay. I mean, like that's but that's it's like <laughs> such like. But you know what I mean? Like that's how people saw queerness. I feel like mm-hmm. too, like a little mm-hmm. like twink, basically. Like <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eddie's a little twink in this movie. I'm sorry. You look at him. Come on. Look at that man and tell me you think he's a twink. He's adorable to me. He's he is adorable. I'm not saying it's an insult, but he definitely is just like such a, he looks like a sick Victorian boy. Blame his mama. I will blame his mama. Anyway. Not to derail from the queerness conversation, I just like was thinking a lot about that, like those very specific choices for the queer coding of the character. So in the second part, because it just I caught on to it when I was watching it this time around, when he got the call from Mike and when he was finally leaving, was that supposed to be his partner that was in the car with him? And when he got on the train, he was like saying goodbye or something because I was just like, all right, like they were... That's, it was very quick, I, but I, he just—he literally watched I, them all the yes. go all the way down. So, I, was, so I was just like, okay, is that supposed? I got that vibe too. I got like a like a kind of like a this is his his gentleman cult, whatever the fuck, and like, but they, they don't go into it. But I, that's the vibe I got from that. Again, yeah. us queers always digging for subtext where we can find it. But like, I think they do set it up that way, like very quickly. I mean, but that's how I kind of saw it too. Like, it's his boyfriend or partner. Or, yeah someone who means more to him than just like a business person yeah, yeah with true, richie true. right richie 
that one, right? Well, no, it's like right before Richie, like before he got to meet up with the friends and um, he got a ride with, I guess, his business partner. And oh, he met him to okay. the train and his friend. Well, his, I don't know who he was, but he literally watched him go all the way down like when he was on the train. And I'm just like, well, if it's a friend, I was like, all right, bye. I'll see you next time. And then walk away. He literally it was like this weird connection as the yeah. train was going by. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, they portrayed it as something more, but it was it was a very quick moment. It, there's not a lot of attention mm-hmm. given to it, but I, Bobby, it right. says me too of like this is definitely someone who has importance in his life, but they're not going to say right. why because it's the 1990 ABC Family miniseries. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and it's it kind of jumped out at me too because I was thinking, okay, so he 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 says Eddie says that you know he's a virgin and he's not had any romantic, and I'm like, well, let's be honest, this is right right smack dab in the middle of the AIDS Mm -hmm. epidemic. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, a lot of gay people were afraid to have sex at that time. Like, yeah. And if you're closeted and forced in, in that aspect of it, like it, I don't know. There's, there's something I, I didn't, there's no nuance in this portrayal. Let's let's be, let's be clear on that aspect of it. But like, I, I don't know. There's, there's something I, I, well, I have a hard time with, with some of the the this aspect of queerness in both this and in the the remake because I don't know there's a lot to be that can be said about the barrier gaze trope and about you know finding emotional relief in the death of queer people because mm-hmm. you know Eddie is the one in the group that dies he's in both yeah. adaptations and then in in the chapter 2 we have Richie agonizing over the death of someone that he apparently loved in a more than platonic way. And so like, it's, it's really hard to, that is honestly my biggest complaint about it. Chapter two, it will, the new it in particular is the way that they sort of weaponize queer trauma without really any nuance to it. Whereas in this one, it almost is like, they're just going to kind of whitewash it and just, kind of not discuss sex at all. Cause there's not a whole lot of sexual content in this, in this ABC series. And I realized no. that I realize it's for ABC, but also you say the N word. I'm like, where, where is this? That? Yeah. And I, I wonder like, was, did they actually say the N word on the broadcast and they just maybe like cut it. And then this version we see in now is only available on VHS or streaming or you know, maybe they actually did say it. I don't remember. I've never seen the actual broadcast. I remember just watching the VHS, so I'm not too mm-hmm. sure yeah. if that was the case. But um, if that was the case, it, it doesn't make any sense because why would that be allowed? Because that's still, like, a slur. Like, you don't... <laughs> you can't say it. But, I mean, early 90s, you know, things were allowed that's not allowed today. Oh, absolutely. When we when we rewatched yeah. um Monster Squad recently, the amount of times they say they call someone a fag in that. I'm like, and that was a PG-13 yeah. movie. I'm like, that shit yeah. wouldn't fly in a PG-13 movie today. Oh hell no. Hell's no. I also had a problem with um the portrayal, not a mic of this version, but a little bit on the newer one, especially on that first half. Because they gave all of most of Mike. Yes, you know what I mean. I like do. What he, <laughs> what he was supposed to be, um, pretty much his knowledge on dairy, what was going on to. Um, they gave it to was ben. It ben. I was like, yes. Why? Okay, I was trying to think about that. I'm like, I'm sorry. Wait. I, okay. Thank you. I That's one book, thing I was happy to I see remember. in the miniseries. Yeah. Is that he had more of a? Uh, he was more of a like character. He's role. not. 
he's not a character in the in the new movies at all no yeah that kind of like pissed me off so i was like that's why that's one thing they got a little right with the the miniseries that they focus a lot more on mike um besides when he gets into the hospital but yeah, I was upset about that part in the the newer one. One other thing that I'm this is taking it in a in a silly direction, but one of the things that really upset me in this movie was um, Bill's ponytail. <laughs> yes, when I he turns around and reveals off. the ponytail, it was a jump scare. I like yelled. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. What is this? What is going on? <laughs> I wanted to cut it off so bad. Same, same, same. Um. Being younger, I didn't really care. I'm just like, whatever. I'm okay. just watching the movie. I'm here to be scared. But watching as an adult, now I'm like, why? What is man? up with that why? hair? What is up with it, man? 90s writer <laughs> ponytail. Whose choice, yeah. choice was this? But it was like a mullet ponytail because you couldn't tell in the front and then on the was back. It real? I don't know. What oh, I, was that like just a, a decision that they decided to give this character? Like <laughs> All the cool kids have these, right? No. <laughs> and no. also speaking of no. of hair, and I think you mentioned this, Mary Beth, in our in our notes, I, Beverly doesn't have red hair. She no, doesn't. Beverly doesn't have red hair when he was like January embers. I was like, her, this bitch's yeah. hair is not red. <laughs> How are you going to write this poem about someone with uh, not red hair? <laughs> like, it's just like dumb. It's like dumb me? things like Maybe? that on top of it's like. It's so fascinating. But I have a question about the queerness because was Richie queer in the book? So the the book doesn't wasn't it alluding that he was? There's a, there's like it, there's definitely like allusions to queerness that like um Richie kind of does kissy faces with Eddie all the time and calls him cute and there's like there's a little bit of stuff that that comes across. It's not as I I wouldn't say it's as really pronounced as maybe um it chapter two kind of digs into but um it it is there it's just i I think it's much more coded okay because it's not really in the miniseries is it i know just eddie no okay because i was trying to juggle i was like i'm sorry what who is who is where is the source of the queerness for some of this i was trying to keep my like keep my head straight on because again like I love Stephen King. I grew up reading Stephen King, but reading him as an adult is a little bit harder now for a lot of reasons, because I think he's a good writer, but I also think he's got a lot of weird hangups about lots of people. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I'm just always curious, like, what came first with it? Because it all just seems very different across the adaptations and, like, how King wrote it and how that's interpreted by other people. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's true. It is very fascinating. No shame against Stephen King, everybody. I just think that he's got some weird opinions. That's all I gotta say. I mean, opinions. He just like weird. He had some weird hangups in like the eighties when he was doing a lot of coke. There was a lot of weird shit going on in that man's head. (laughs) At least back then, maybe too much. (laughs) Maybe too much. But I just want him. Like I know he's still writing stuff now. I just don't want him to be doing that in his recent. Like his newer work, like yes, that was a long time ago. You did that, um, but you should know now not to maybe say the n word or be homophobic too much in your books and your writing. Yeah, because some of it is unnecessary. Some of it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the, and that's like the that's that thing too when you're reading it and you're like, okay, cool, you're trying to make a point, but at what point are you making the point or just be like, look, I can do these things in my work and say that I'm working mm-hmm. through things. You know what I mean? Like especially right. for like a white guy writer, who yeah. I think in a lot of his work does 
talks a lot about homophobia and racism and like mm-hmm. again maybe he's trying to work through some stuff but at the same time there's like a weird boundary where you're like okay where is it that you're just doing it because you can kind of get away with it exactly. I, I don't know and I, again i'm not trying to say stephen king has bad intentions but he was writing at a time where people didn't really think about that or like have a lot of as many yeah. critical thoughts and analysis about like hmm, maybe you don't need to yeah. have racism and homophobia and like no. misogyny in every one of your books yeah, yeah. I, I i'm sorry terry i know you love stephen no, king <laughs> no it's, it's hard because i'll be perfectly honest like rereading the the chapter on adrian mellon in it is like one of the most heartbreaking but like very empathetic like there's an empathy that stephen king was writing back in like what 1986 in mm-hmm. terms of of a queer person and the, the trauma that the queer person's going through that kind of reverberates through the rest of the book and so yes i i have i i will absolutely 100 percent say that there's a lot of times where where king whether intentionally or not relies on homophobia. I was thinking about this recently when I, when I uh, reread, Oh, what was it? It was Mr. It was not Mr. Mercedes. I think it was the sequel to Mr. Mercedes, which is a newer book. And the character um, in the book goes to jail and is raped in jail by, by men. And his friend on the outside is queer and is um, kind of almost like a pederast. Like there's like, and those are the only queer representation in your book. And so that I find deeply problematic when the only representations you have is either sexual trauma or someone being um, a pedophile. Like that is a problem. But there's something about Adrian Mellon's chapter and the way that that has ramifications through the rest of the book that I find so deeply empathetic, particularly at the time that it's being written, where I don't think it chapter two in particular does a good job of reckoning with that. I think Mm. he uses it more for a shock than I would Mm. say that that book does, but that, but that aside, I mean, like I'm just focusing on, on it, the rest, there's a lot of, there's a lot of poor representation of queerness in Stephen King's books, particularly (laughs) at that time period. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I was like, um, for it chapter two, when that came out, and when I was hearing that they were going to put Adrian uh, Melvin's, uh, you know, uh, story into it, I was a little excited because I was wondering how they were going to handle it. And when I seen it, I was like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. this isn't, you know, and I mean, I get it. It is, it is to make you uncomfortable. Uh, but in the, the, the way this world is set up right now, it's just like, I don't know if we probably needed it but i did want it because i thought they were going to do something different because i'm like you know what they changed things up a little bit they changed the story in general up a little bit so maybe they'll do something different with this but um it you know it, it wasn't handled well in my personal opinion so i honestly could leave out and it does rub me the wrong way because i mean you know it's it's gay bashing mm-hmm. and yeah you know, that's not cool not too sure if you guys ever been there. I mean, I've been there before and it's hard, you know, it's a, it's, you know, so even seeing that, like I've seen it with my partner as well. And he thought like somehow, cause my boyfriend never seen, um, I don't think he ever seen the, the mini series and he never read the book. And so when he seen that part in it chapter two, he was just like, I was hoping that Pennywise would get the bullies or something like that rather than go to the ones, get the ones that's already being harmed in the text. And I'm just like, no, unfortunately, 
that is not going to happen here. So, yeah. 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 It does. I know that there's like a million and ten things we could talk <laughs> about with it, with it, the miniseries, but do we want to start wrapping up and give us our rating? I'm, I know there's a, we could talk, like, there's so many things we could talk about. This could be like a four hour yeah. podcast. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we got some cool stuff, but do maybe want to start wrapping Wait. up and give it a rating? Or, sorry. yes, I do want to throw one thing in there because there's one thing oh, that yeah. genuinely disturbed me in this miniseries that I was not expecting, and that was the fortune telling scene, the fortune cookie scene. <gasps> yes. Yeah. They open it and there's like a, a baby chicken, like fetus chicken, thing yeah. that grossed me the fuck out. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is the most horrifying thing I've seen in this in this <laughs> in this three hour movie. It, it really <laughs> affected me. It was a lot of things that bothered like me, like even now it's really effective. Like one of the scenes that I really enjoy and that still creeps me out is when Eddie was in the shower and Pennywise came out the damn drain and just yes. that moment. Um, there was another moment where uh, Stan, <laughs> this was funny to me when it was that same scene where they were all having a dinner and then, you know, Stan hit was inside the little fridge and he yes. was beating everybody down. He was getting everybody together. <laughs> he was like, library like, is open, bitch. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> You might you thought you was the true Liberian here. <laughs> um he was getting everybody together. I was just like, yo, he is getting them together. But um that was a good a scene and then obviously uh another creepy scene to me is something small, but is when I believe Henry Bowers, the grown up version, he was in his room and he penny by somehow resurrected his friend and brought him back as like a ghoul or something. Mm-hmm. And he had the way he just slid up from underneath the bed and was talking to him. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of creepy. So there's some moments in here that does very well with some of the imagery and things like that. I guess very American Werewolf in London, that part where he comes out from under the Mm, bed and talking to him. Like, I got very American Mm -hmm. Werewolf in London vibes. And I think there's a lot of really cool practical effects stuff going on here. Like, I think when Ben sees his dad and it's actually, like, the cork Uh, and the water, which is really fucked. That's that's creepy. That's fucked up. Like, they're... There are so many parts in this that I think really do tap into like trauma and fear and like unresolved things that you both haven't looked at as a kid or an adult. I think mm-hmm. that this movie really does a lot of interesting things. I think, and I think King does it well in the book from what I've read. And I think this miniseries especially tries to tap into the kind of like the process of forgetting and then re remembering trauma mm. and kind of being brought back. I think that the miniseries is a really good job in playing with each of their own memories and yeah. what memory mm-hmm. means to them and in, and what that means in relation to the idea of trauma and like going, cause like, I, like you know, petty wise, the whole thing is you forget, but I think it also is a good metaphor for things like you forget when you're traumatized as a kid and don't want to bring them up and think about them again. And then you remember them and it all comes rushing back. Yeah. I think, that's something that the miniseries does do well, better mm-hmm. I think than uh, the original, the original or the new one, the new the new ones. And I think it does try. I think it in trying to do that, it stays. I think it it kind of slows down the pace, but I think it is trying to like play more with that idea of memory and what that means to remember, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I agree. I also like how when. You know, when Mike does call everybody, they kind of go and revert back to their young selves mm-hmm. in a way. Like, um, I believe, uh, what's his name? The main character with the ponytail. Bill. <laughs> Bill. 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 Ponytail. Like, he started <laughs> ponytail. Ponytail. Um, 
um, he started stuttering more, yeah. you know, when he hadn't done it in a very long time. And, yeah. And it's also interesting to see how Beverly ended up with a person that's abusive just as much as her father was. Yeah. You know, and then she kind of got the strength to, like, stop him and, you know, leave. Um, I mean, and I also felt bad for Stan as well because, like, he, you know, he he took his own life because that's something that he did not just want to face again, and I, I, you know, and you know, that's trigger warning for you know that. But it it was sad because it's like he's minding his own business, he's happy with his wife, and he gets this call and he does that thing with his ear that he did when he was yep. young, and it took him back and he remembered everything and seeing the deadlights and seeing Pennywise in his true form and being nearly killed and he did not want to revisit that all over again as an adult so what he did was you know he 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 took his own life and that's the only that was his way to get out of it so that was definitely sad um and i think they handled it the same way in the newer version as well yeah so yeah it's like little stuff like that that still i think is you know that works for me and i i enjoy and still very effective yeah i will i will say that <laughs> as bill is writing down Main Street with Audra on his bike. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, Audra, Olivia, hello, Hussie. Olivia, Olivia Hussie. Hussie. What's up, girl? Yeah. I was you know like, what? she queen. Because even, yes, first of all, all right, so in Black Christmas, it always seemed like she has an attitude when she answered the phone. Hello? Hello? <laughs> hello? And this one, like, it seemed like she had an attitude with Bill the whole entire time. I'm just like, is that her way of acting? Is that her? <laughs> just, that's, is that that's, her? What, that's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, she has an attitude in every role she plays. She just seems angry right. at every <laughs> But what killed me is they're riding down the, the, the street, and he's, like, saying, beat it, beat it. Beat it. And I just kept thinking, beat it, beat it. Oh, Come no. on, Audra, beat it, beat it. Like, that is literally what went through my head as he is no, saying, beat it, Audra, so now, beat it. I was like, I'm going to edit, I'm going to get a clip of that and play Michael Jackson. I'm telling you. Beat it, Audra. Come on, Audra, beat it, beat it. Seriously, I was like, what is happening here? Yeah, that was very interesting. Um, I mean, I'm happy she came back to herself, but that was very interesting, especially for it to be the final scene in a movie. Yeah. But yeah. Uh. Well, okay. We have <laughs> about so many things with it, and we will have not even scratched yeah. the surface, but that's okay, because it's a three-hour-long miniseries. Um, it is. But Terry, how many Hiya, Hiya Georgies out Hiya of Georgie. <laughs> do Gosh. you give it the miniseries? <laughs> oh i this is hard for me man um we didn't even talk about the party city ending with the spider and the really oh shitty god, webs god, the fuck it. i did i seriously like that's not <sighs> the climax isn't even ma- like i forget about it because it's just like not that i was like yeah are you fucking kidding me <laughs> all right so i mean there was a spider i mean he turned it was a spider version of him in the the newer version at chapter two as well but it was just like his big ass pennywise head with <laughs> Legs. I know, and I was, was like, I, much the thing. "What is this?" <laughs> yeah, I honestly prefer this, you know, this um, practical effect spider opposed to the newer one because it just was something about that that was just wasn't right with me. I'm just like, I'm good. Um, and even though I was still disappointed with the spider overall, I think it was still cool because I think that spider. I was watching a documentary on uh, Screenbox, and they said a mm. lot of cool things, mm. and they said that the spider was supposed to do a lot more 
Um, they actually had a person in the suit moving. It was supposed to do a lot of things, but they just didn't have enough time. So um, oh. we got very limited time with the spider, and a lot of it was um, what was it like stop motion? Stop I motion, guess, Harry Housen yeah. type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that was some of the reason why. Yeah, I so but yeah, I I just I think I get to this end, and I'm like this ending kind of unfortunately summarizes my feelings for this miniseries. I'm just, I'm not a fan. And I realize that a lot of people have a huge nostalgic bone for this movie. And I get that a hundred percent, particularly I can understand if you were a kid and you saw this, this would sort of absolutely fucking traumatize me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It just, I don't know. I I find it very, I find it very um, neutered in terms of like the horror aspect of it. I think the adults are really kind of phoning it in. Outside of like the okay. guy that plays Richie, I think he is like the most animated person in this entire movie. Whereas like I don't know, the kids are the kids are, are decent. Jonathan John Brandis. Yeah, John Ritter's great. He I like I like yeah. seeing him. I didn't think he had a lot to do in this though. But like right. Jonathan Brandis is the kid. I enjoyed uh, yeah. uh Seth Green. Seth weird Green. seeing him as a so as a complete nerd. Him. Uh, like I just I, I don't know so this this is not my favorite I apologize I'm 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 gonna give it don't two Hiya Georgies uh, out of five for me because it's just it's not it's not for me don't all right first of all never apologize you know <laughs> that is your opinion and I totally get it again if I seen this much later in life I probably would give it the same rating but again it has um i it's nostalgia for me yeah so. absolutely yeah so i totally get it though i understand yeah what about you mary beth what how many how many hi georgies so <laughs> i think i'm gonna give it three okay hi georgies um because i think it's like it's one of these movies where i obviously didn't see the full thing until yesterday <laughs> without knowing it but it has had such a chokehold on me in terms of just knowing what it is and being fascinated with it and, like, I think I also sometimes conflate all of, like, the it things and properties together in my head a lot of the time as just, like, one big cultural impact. But I think where I have issues with the miniseries, I also think it has its own strengths, especially mm-hmm. in terms of trying to look at cycles of trauma and things like that. And I think it's so very 90s, which is both a fun thing to revisit and a terrible thing to revisit and I think just due to like its impact and the Tim Curry of it all, it gets three high adorgies from me. Um, Bobby, you have the final word. How <laughs> many high adorgies do you give it? Many series. I'll give four high adorgies. You know, I know it's a lot, <laughs> but again, it's nostalgia for me. It's one of the yeah. movies that just scared the living hell out of me. Uh, without it showing too much, like I explained earlier in this episode. And again, Tim Curry's performance just was great. The music was creepy to me. It set the Mm -hmm. tone of this film, um, the way they look. It was little things that got me. Again, like the book opening up and maybe seeing Georgie and then it winks. Like that Mm. that creeped me out. And then the blood coming out. Mm -hmm. That was a great moment. Uh, You know, and even like I said in the beginning with the little girl in a tricycle, there's a lot of creepy moments in here that still stick with me i still find creepy yeah. and i don't know i just enjoy this movie overall 
and I have to give it four higher Georgies. I love it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bobby, for, for making me sit down and rewatch this at, for the first time since like 1994 or five, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where can our <laughs> listeners find you and what do you have that for is yours? What, what do you have to plug or talk about? Okay. Uh, you can find me Bobby Torres with a Z, not an S on social media, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Bobby likes to spook you on the YouTube. Uh, the People Under the Scares podcast on all podcasts and platforms, wherever you listen. Uh, Screen Kings on YouTube. I say YouTubes. On YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. I'm, I'm on the Alter Tapes on the podcast. Oh, that's and, right. Um, in case, yeah, I'm on that. Uh, and, you know, How do you, you have time? time thing. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, look, I ain't doing this, but I'm here. <laughs> I make it work. I make it work. Um, occasionally I'm doing things with Fangoria, which is pretty cool. Um, shout Hell out yeah. to Phil. Um, so, um, yeah, you can find me all there and things I got coming up again, just I'm on screen Kings at the moment and that's it at the moment. <laughs> I'm putting out new YouTube content soon. Hell well. yeah. Hell Love yeah. That. Thank you. Uh, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with the It miniseries? You can let us know by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, sign up on Patreon. Please, thank you. Um, thank you to Eric Power for our music. Thank you to Sean Keller. Nope. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. I'll never get our outro right, even though we've been doing this for years. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>